Exodus chapter 13 this morning. Uh, 13 verse 17 through 22 is our task for the morning. Um, hope you're doing well. I want to thank Riley and Molly and Megan for leading us in worship. Andrew for... I really like our time of greeting. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but I do. Um, it's fun to hear just the buzz as people greet one another. Like I, we, We're called to live life in community, and it feels like we're doing that in that time. So uh, thanks for leading us. Well, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the elders here, and uh, excited uh, for this morning. I think there's a great text before us today. Uh, there are a few texts in um, Exodus. Maybe if you grew up in a church that didn't study Exodus or you've never spent a lot of time, you would probably have heard this story about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. That leads us into next week, which is the uh, crossing of the Red Sea, um, which is a text I'm really, really excited about and not preaching. So I've got to talk to the guy who plans the sermon schedule. All right, we're in Exodus 13, so go ahead and grab your Bible. Uh, verse 17 through 22, I'm going to read, and then we're going to come back in and take it kind of verse by verse like we do each week. So if you're new here, we're, I don't know, 20-something weeks into Exodus, and uh, we've been going line by line uh, through the word of the Lord given to Moses. This is the second of five books, so if you know anything about um, series like novels or movies, I've never watched Star Wars, I've already confessed that to you. Um, Some of you are like, I get it, and some of you are like, who is this man? (laughs) Uh, It's not my thing, okay? Leave me alone. Um, But this is the second of five books that Moses, uh, that God had used Moses to write and to to capture the history of God's people. So we're in Exodus 13 this morning. I'm going to read beginning in verse 17. It says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and returned to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. I think this morning, so last week if you were here, we talked about Uh, being a consecrated people. Really, we've been building on that idea of consecration, which is a really fancy church word of saying God has set a people apart for his glory, okay? So if we're good there, I'm going to keep using the word consecrate because it's the word that the Bible uses. But that's what that word means. We have been set apart uh, for God's glory. The the, the other side of that is we've been set apart uh, for our good. God has brought us in for his glory and our good. But so last week we saw that we, we've been consecrated and called to commemorate, which again is a fancy word, to say remember. We've been called to remember all that the Lord has done. And this week we move into this idea of being indwelled by the Spirit or compelled by the Spirit. And that's what's happening here is the Spirit of God is moving a people. So finally, the Hebrews are leaving Egypt. They have been leaving for some time, but now they're on the move. They're actually leaving Egypt. And I, Dad's in the room, you know how this goes, right? 
is like the climax to get to church. It's like for an hour, you're trying to get people out the door, like, hey, get your clothes on. No, 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 not those clothes. You can't have those clothes. You got to get your other shoes on. You have to wear socks because we're human beings. And let's go. You know how that is? Do you understand what I'm saying? So they've been leaving for some time, right? We literally do this every time my family leaves to go anywhere. We're just glad, like, we'll get in the car and we do a head count real quick to make sure we haven't forgotten anyone. And there's only five of us. Uh, this is 600,000 uh, men plus the women and children that are leaving. Can you imagine the logistical nightmare, right? So we, we think we're having it hard to get five out the door. I can't imagine trying to get that many people moving in the right direction at the same time. You know, I mean, I can imagine it'd be just like a blob of people uh, all going in different directions. But the Spirit is moving God's people into a particular direction. And I think today the great hope that we have is that God doesn't just tell the people where to go. He leads them there, okay? He is with them in the journey. So Andrew mentioned this in his welcome, and I, I think for us, we have to press in here at the beginning. So if you go back to this first couple of verses, verse 17 and 18, um, this idea of the long way, and um, sorry, I feel a little echoey, but um, finally, we're leaving Egypt, Right? And instead of going the short path, I have a map. I know that's not going to be helpful, but I paid a lot of money to go to seminary. And one of the great things that you've heard this before is we got the color maps like we were children. And uh, we had to pay tuition to do this. But when you begin to study, particularly texts like this, it's helpful to know where things are. And so all of a sudden you're older and you're, you've moved past the humility of coloring sheets when you're 20-something, 28 years old. And... Um, now you can understand that this is an important thing for us to understand. If you have your Bible, you can even go, I know this is hard to see, if you go to the back, your Bible probably has some maps in the back. Um, you'll, you'll know where these are because when you were a kid, you, when you would zone out, you would have your Bible and you would just go look at the map, right? Am I the only person who did that growing up in church? I just spend time <laughs> looking at the maps. There are more hands up in the air for that than anything else I've ever done here, so that's cool. All right, so what we have over to the, to, to the left side here, okay? Succoth is in bold, okay? That's where they're leaving. So they're going this way. Israel, so the, the promised land is on the north side of the map, okay? I know this is hard to see, but the Mount of Olives, that's kind of where they're headed. But God doesn't take them straight there, okay? He takes them down south. Mount Sinai is kind of this point. I'm sorry to turn my back to you, but uh, I hope I don't have too much sweat going yet. But... Um, the V, where the Red Sea splits, right? That's where God's taking them down to Mount Sinai. So that's the opposite way of where they're intended to go. Okay, do you see it? All right, now why does God do that? He does it for a couple of reasons. One is to protect them, because these are fools. We've learned this so far about the, the Hebrews, right? These, these are grumbling, mumbling people who are upset that they now are leaving Egypt, the place that they've only known as bondage because they can't see the finish line. And so if you're saying, I need to go in a direction, the shortest point is from what? A to B, right? You just take a straight line. Well, that's not the way that God does this. He takes them south. He does this because the Philistines are up there in the top where the Mediterranean Sea, which is the big body of water up there, okay? You see that? The Philistines are there. So if they go that way, it's, sure, it's a sure war battle is coming, okay? And if you know much of the biblical history and the narrative, there are lots of fights with the Philistines coming, okay? And God's people just weren't quite ready yet. And so God sends them to the south. He takes them the long way around. Have you ever felt like God's taking you the long way around in your life? I have, and I know I've shared a lot of our story, but uh, when we left, we, so we planted a church. If you're new here and you haven't heard this, my family, uh, we thought God was calling us to plant a church in 
Texas and Dallas. And uh, we, we were very nervous because we were young and very dumb. And um, yep, thank you. Some of you know, oh, you're still dumb, just a little, not, not as young anymore. That's fine. It's true. So we're, we're, we're committed to doing this, but we were in a place that was really hard, okay, just uh, culturally. It was a really hard place for us because we weren't from there, okay? So it was a, it was a really uh, tough neighborhood. We, we looked different than everyone else, but we were committed to the place. And what we felt like God was calling us to do was to raise up leader, raise up leaders who, could, who were from there who wanted to stay there and live and die there. But we knew that that wasn't probably what God had for us. We just didn't know what God had for us yet. And so we were just pressing in in the season that we were in. And about five years into that church plant, God started really pressing on me, saying, kind of laying a burden of, hey, it's time to go. It's time to go. And we didn't know what we were going to do, right? And so we felt like God was calling us to leave. You plant a church for a couple reasons. One, because you want to do things differently, all right? And this is why young guys are such good church planters, because they're bold and they're willing to take risks, okay? So if you're a young guy in the room, hear that. It's okay to to take a flyer and run with it, okay? You might fall flat on your face. I did about 47 times. I got a big knot on the side of my head from it, okay? It's just the way that it goes. But God is calling us to do it. And I, I'm telling you what, the process is worth more than the end result. This is true in our lives too. It's what we call sanctification, okay? Again, another that's the dollar word, church word, that just means growing in Christ-likeness, okay? This is the daily battle. We say it this way a lot, that sanctification is the hard work it's the painful process of looking more like Jesus. So if you've, if you've grown in your Christ-likeness, you've, you've, you've got some wounds, okay? You've got some wounds. You've got some history. You've got some baggage that you're not carrying anymore. Christ has taken that on himself, but you still have those bruises. So on this map, we see that God's taking his people the long way around. And what we know, and this is coming next week, is that the way he's taking him avoids him from the, the Israel from the Philistines, but he leads them, hymns them in between the Red Sea and who's coming? Do you know who's coming? Pharaoh's coming, right? Pharaoh's army is coming. And so imagine, one, you know that you're supposed to go north, but Moses, this fool, takes you south, right? Can you imagine the doubt? Oh, hold on. So every group has a person, okay? If, you have, if you're in a family or you have friends, which I think is most of us here, except a couple of you. Um, if you have friends, there's always the one person in your group who always knows the right way to go. Do you know who this person is? You can go ahead and point at them or do one of these if you need to. So here's the way it looks like in my house. So we'll, we'll go on a road trip or something, and all of a sudden it's taking a little bit longer to get there. And there's an unspoken person who sits shotgun who always says, are you sure you took the right turn back there? And you're like, yes, I know exactly where I'm going. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? And it may have taken us around the way. If I were to tell my wife, who I love very dearly, Okay, sitting right up here, played the keys today. Um, to get, if I told her directions right now to get from here to Walmart, there is no chance she makes it. I should have asked her before I told the story. I feel bad. There's no chance. But if I get in a car with her and I show her the way, she'll never forget it. Okay? That's what God's doing here. Okay? He's showing them the way. It's the long way around. I love you. I think you're great. Okay? So let's, let's go back. Okay, so verse 17 says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. So who were the Philistines? Okay, if you've heard this name, you probably know with uh, Samuel and Saul and David kind of later on in the New Testament. We're just a few generations away, by the way. But you probably heard the Philistines, but who were they? These people were aggressive. They were warmongering people who occupied that territory right up there. Okay, 
just in the south side of the Mediterranean Sea. They were known as sea people. They were really good on water, okay? They were warriors of the sea. But these were ruthless people, and God's protection was to take them around the Philistines in order to prepare them. It does say here, which I think is hilarious, this is kind of uh, funny if you, if you look back, you, so here's how Moses would have written this book. He lived it, now he's remembering it and writing it down, okay? So when he writes this down, he's like, man, I see what you're doing now that I'm looking back. And this is true in our lives. When we look backwards, we can see God's provision in our lives. He says, but God led the people this is verse 18, around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for what does it say? What were they equipped for? Battle. Okay, so here's, here's what this was. They were dressed with all their war gear on, but they weren't ready to fight. They were, they were playing dress up. Okay, they weren't yet formed. They weren't convicted enough in the presence of God to go fight and so they're wearing the, the garb. They're posers. They're not ready. And so God sends them around. And you know what happens on the way around? They learn to fight. Eventually, they will learn to fight. Okay? I think that's true for us today. The long way hymns them in, which we'll see next week. Even when God's way isn't our way, we can trust that God's way is the best way. That's the one thing I want you to hear today. Okay? Even when God's way isn't our way, you can trust that God's way is the best way. Even if we don't trust his direction, we can trust his heart. That's what he's telling the people here. It doesn't make sense to go south, God. Why are we doing this? Shh, be still, and know that I am the Lord. The psalm that we read today is the psalm of this story. It's the psalm of my story, and it's the psalm of your story. I want to remind you, this may be a text you're familiar with. This is from Isaiah 55. It's on the screen. You don't have to go there. Listen to these words. This is verse 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me just be transparent with you. There are a lot of times in my life, including the season when we left Dallas, where I didn't just doubt what God was doing, but I knew that I was right. Okay? I knew that what we were doing, what one, it was what I wanted to do. Right? I had felt this deep sense of conviction, which was from this, that, that was the spirit of God in my life. But there were selfish elements of it. Okay? And so when we look back on our lives, you can see that God is using you where you are for his purposes. And it, it, sometimes it's hard and it's painful. And let me tell you what, there are nights when we landed back here in Georgia where we just wept. We wept and we wept and we wept. And yet we look back and we can see that God was not only protecting those poor folks in Dallas, Texas, from, but he was protecting us. He was protecting our family. And you know what he did? It took about five years. It felt like the long way around. He paved the way when one of my best friends who planted this church, by the way, decided that God was calling him to leave. And he, God's been preparing my family for this moment for decades. And we didn't get it. We didn't get it. When God calls you to move, sometimes you don't understand. Your job is just to say, yes, Lord, I will follow this is what Jesus does with his disciples over and over again. We don't always understand or like, okay? That's okay, too. We don't always understand or like what God is doing, but we can trust that for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, this is straight out of Romans, he is working all things together for their good. And according to Romans 8.29, it says, that ultimate good is Christ-likeness. Amen? 
Amen. And so in seasons of your life when things don't seem to be going well or that's not exactly what you thought your life had planned for it, God has his purposes in mind and your good, which is Christ-likeness. Many of these life circumstances, we don't know what's going on, but we have to trust the wisdom of God, knowing that God is good. This is what we talked about about three weeks ago, the difference between God being great and God being good. Do you remember the difference? A great God is the one who's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent, omniscient, all those fancy seminary words, okay? So you graduate from coloring with colored pencils to learning big words that you can't explain to anyone, all right? There's your seminary experience. But this is who God is. That is great. But a good God is a God who has all of those things, and he comes and he steps right into your life, right where you are. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Listen to Romans 11, verse 33 through 36. It says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, do you know this? For from him and through him, and to him are what? All things. Guess what all things are? That's you. That's me. It's all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's one of my favorite verses. One of the things we've been talking about a lot lately is the importance of knowing your Bible. Okay? So in a, uh, next weekend, next Sunday, uh, at 5 o'clock, I think, right here, we're doing a thing on bibliology, which is the study of the Bible. How did we get it? How do we read it? What do we do with it? I think this is an important thing for us to do. This is why we teach the Bible on Sunday mornings the way that we do, because his ways are better than our ways, and from him and through him and to him are all things. Amen. Let's move on. Joseph, because this is, this is one of my favorite parts in this, this little narrative. It says this in verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph, Joseph with him. Now, if you have a short memory, if you go back just a few pages in your Bible to Genesis chapter 50, Joseph, right before he dies, he says to his brothers, okay, his brothers, his biological brothers, don't leave me here, okay? You know, he says, I'm going to haunt you if you leave me here, right? He doesn't say that. He says the God, God would come to you, which could be, you know, could strike fear too. I don't know. But Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, so this fulfills the promise from Genesis chapter 50. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Well, I think the important thing to note here is this is, the, this is the end cap of 430 long years. Joseph was the first one in, and he's the last one out. God keeps his promises. And we as followers of Jesus, can rest in those promises. He was taken out of Egypt 400 years after he died because he believed that Yahweh, the great I Am, would rescue his people, and he wanted to go too. He wanted to go too because he knew that if he stayed there, then his, his whole narrative changes, his whole narrative, his life story shifts. It's a powerful story for the dirty, dusty, dry bones of Joseph to not be in Egypt. They went with God's people because Joseph is the one who preserved God's people. If you remember the famine, Joseph was the one who came up through Pharaoh's household and he preserved his father and his brothers who sold him into slavery, by the way, because they hated him and wanted to kill him. Okay? Don't forget that either. 
This closes out the chapter. So what do we do with this? I think this is, this is a great time for us to apply what we do with the Bible, okay? So when you come to the Bible, and I would really encourage you, and I don't mean this in any sort of legalistic way, if you're not reading your Bible every single day, you need to really check your heart and where you're at, okay? And that's not shame. Please don't hear me. I've been at churches where they say, if you don't read your Bible, shame on you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I know this to be true. If you read your Bible, God will use that time, that covenant, that commitment to his word to make you into Christ-likeness. I know that to be true. In seasons of my life where I haven't been in God's word daily, those seasons have been dark and they have been dry and they have hurt. Seasons where there's daily commitment, daily renewal of God's word are the most freeing, life-giving seasons of anyone's life. And so I would encourage you to come to the Bible. What do you do when you come to the Bible? I think you read your Bible and you should ask some questions. You should say, where is God? One of my favorite things, so when you start seminary, I'm spending a lot of time, I love seminary, okay? So please hear me say that. But the first book you read in seminary is not the Bible. It's a book called How to Read a Book. At least at Dallas Seminary it was. How to Read a Book. And you're like, man, I just did this whole application process and you're wondering if I can read? Of course I can read. Well, it tells you how to read, how to really read, okay? You read with not just your eyes and your brain, but you read with your heart. You read with your hands and your feet. This is the idea of spiritual formation. So we ask questions of, what do you see? We're asking these questions in family group every week. Who is God? What is he about? What is he doing? What is he calling me to do? That's not just for family group. It's every day when you come to the word of the God, you should be asking those questions. And I think one of the things that Exodus has taught us is we should be asking, well, what promise? What promise has God made to me today? What, God, what promise has God made that I know he is keeping through what he's calling me to do? What promise can I rest in? That's how I hope you come to the word of the Lord every day, or as often as, you're, as you can. Verse 20 says this, they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. The wilderness is the great unknown, okay? Wilderness is the great unknown. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. Let's go back to how many people are moving. It's a lot of people, okay? Some of them are moving in the day, some of them are moving at night, but they all have to go in the same direction for this exodus to be an exodus. If they scatter, it's not an exodus. It's just a leaving, okay? God's calling them to a specific place for a specific purpose. But one of the things I think we need to take out of the pillar of cloud and fire is that God leads us. He never leads us. I'm sorry. God never leads us outside of his presence. We said this last week. It's, a, it's, a, it's another fancy word, theophany. Do you remember this word? This is a, the easiest way to define it is it's a tangible expression of God. Okay? The pillar of cloud, that was the presence of God. Same thing with the pillar of fire. But God never leads us outside of his presence. And I think we can rest there. Okay? Wherever you feel like God's calling you, he's not absent there. It may feel like it, okay? But he's not. He never calls us outside of his presence. He doesn't simply tell them where to go. He leads them, okay? He's showing them the way. Now, there's a, an extreme amount of mercy that's happening here. What, is, what do you know about the desert? What do you know about, um, this is, I'm asking for you now. What do you know about the desert? It's dry. It's hot. At night, it's cold, okay? So what, when you're in the desert, what do clouds give you? Shade, 
That's mercy from the Lord. It's not just the cloud is our directional source, but it's also covering us from the heat, from the sun. Do you see the mercy? So yeah, we're going the long way. It's gone. It's fine. Don't put it back up, the map. But we're going the long way around. And in that, God is providing. Did she put it back up? Okay. So God is providing. The, the desert is all throughout here, right? So in this middle, this middle part, it's dry, it's dusty, it's hot. It's brutal. A couple years ago, I got to go to Jordan. And it is a, the terrain is Unbelievable. You talk about traveling difficult, like in a difficult way, having to walk through loose rocks is dangerous because loose rocks fall, let alone if you have 600,000 men and their wives and their children. Can you imagine being the people in the back? All the, the, the sheer places to put your feet are gone, but God is saying, follow me. It's this way, the pillar of cloud. I think... <laughs> This is, this is not in my notes, uh, but this one's for free, okay? So I think a lot of times in our life today, we still wish that God would come to us in a pillar of cloud or in a pillar of fire, depending on where we are, okay? Like, well, I don't know where to go to school. There's the cloud. That's where I'm going. Or I don't know who I'm going to marry. Poof, fire. She's hot. <laughs> I told you it wasn't in my notes, and I, I'm very sorry for that, Okay? Uh, I can't help it. We'll hope maybe the podcast doesn't record. Okay? Gosh. But we do this, don't we? Like, God, where, where do you want us to go? And we just wish he would be so obvious, so evident, and yet he's right there. I'm, I'm very convicted about this. I think God cares less about where you go to school or who you marry than what you do with your life. Your purpose, your real purpose. Your purpose isn't to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a whatever your purpose is to make much of Jesus everywhere he sends you. So whether you marry this person or that person, God is going to use your marriage to make you holy. Whether you go to this school or that school, is far less important than you using and leveraging your life for the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God would come to earth as it is in heaven. That's what God's calling us to do. And so if we get caught up and we have the, and look, I know it's real. I've been there, right? The, the tension, the anxiety, the fear of something new or something long-term. We say, Lord, just show me the way. Lord, show me the way. What I think we have in the new covenant, though, is that after Christ's earthly ministry, we now have something better than a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit. Christ in you is the hope of glory. I believe this. I believe that the Israelites were regenerated. And here's what I mean. I believe that they were saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. I believe that. I believe that the people of Exodus were saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone. I believe that about you, and I believe that about me too, by the way. But all that's change from the old covenant and the new covenant. Listen to John chapter 14. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's a hard thing, isn't it? I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, to be with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So here's the difference between what's happening with the Hebrews and what's happening with us, okay? In Exodus, God is with his people. Today, in the new covenant, God is in his people. Do you see the difference? He is in you. So we have to stop looking for other things and trust the word of God, the promises that he's made to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we live into a new day. That's our hope. Our our hope of glory is the Christ in you. It's Christ in you. Earlier in John chapter 14, we sang this song. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. There's no other way to get there. And here's the reality. You and I, we bring nothing to the table of our salvation except for our need for it. Nothing. That's what the Bible tells us. You were dead in your trespasses. You know what dead people are? They're dead. Got that one in seminary too. Dead people, we bring nothing to the table of our salvation except for our need for it. What, what great thanksgiving we should have. You know, those are the people, when you begin to, re- when you realize that, the way that you view the world should change completely. And for a lot of you, it has. When you realize the great weight that I was dead and now I'm alive, made new, that is the gospel. That is freeing. And you know what you should do with that? Hey, you know what you should do with that? Tell people about it. Hey, listen, so my story wasn't the same as your story. Like, I was never this, or I wasn't that, or I was this, or I was that. But I I know this for certain. I was a dead person. And now I'm a live person. Because the Spirit of God is in me. This is Acts 1.8. Okay? The Spirit is in you. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our guide. This whole story of Exodus is we've been drawn out of bondage. We've been drawn out of our Egypts, our sin, to be drawn in to God. God was doing it in the time of Moses and the Exodus, and he's doing it today. That is the new covenant. We are compelled and we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but Exodus is shifting the way that I view the world. It really is. And not just because I'm the preacher guy who gets up here a few times a month to deliver the word of God. But it's shifting the way that I not only view my life, but the way I view the community that I live in, the kids that I'm raising in my house, changes everything. When you begin to realize that the long way around is usually the right way around because God sees which you can't. Our job is to walk by faith, which means come after me. Come follow me. Would you do that? Would you do that with your life? I'm going to wait because I think that's what we're called to do. I think that's what we do here week after week when we come in on Sunday mornings is to be reminded that you were called for a purpose. And if you just come in and you just absorb, absorb information and you just sit idly by, 
then I would challenge to say that you haven't really been transformed by the gospel yet. Now, if you're in here and you're like, man, I'm just for the first time in church, that's okay. I think this truth still weighs in for you because it's our job as brothers and sisters to be like holding the banner up. God saves sinners. God saves them. That is it. That is the message of Exodus. That's the message of us. We end each week by going to the table. We do this on purpose. We do it because we are quick to forget, just like the Hebrews were. But we do it to be renewed. We do it to be refreshed. It's bread and it's juice and it's the process. It's going back. It's reflecting. Reflect on your deadness. I don't know if I can say that. I think if we, the, the more we reflect on our brokenness, the more we can rest in our newness. I was once lost, but now I'm found. You know the song? I was blind. I'm not going to start singing, I swear. I was blind, but now I see. Go see that the Lord is good. Our elders and some of our staff will be over here to the side, over by the book nook. We do this every week. Sometimes we mention it, sometimes we don't. The times that we don't, we forgot, okay? But we're there on purpose. So if you're coming in and you just want to pray or you've got questions, come find someone. We're doing a next steps class this afternoon at one o'clock, which is for the people who've been on the fringe of our church for a while. You've come and you've visited, but you want to know more. You want to know about our mission. I think you just heard a little bit about it. You want to know about our vision or what we believe or what church membership looks like. Come be a part of that and explore what it looks like to be committed, covenanted in life on mission with brothers and sisters who are committed to the gospel. So know this, that we love you, and that as we respond now in this time of communion, that we are for you, and God is for you, for his glory and your good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this place to meet. We thank you that as uh, sometimes we step into buildings with air conditioning and we forget that you've called us out of the wilderness. And um, we trust this morning that you have our highest possible good in mind when you take us the long way around. God, I'm thankful just uh, very transparently with the way that you called us out of Dallas the time it took to figure out what on earth you were doing. I pray for forgiveness in my own life where I doubted that. I pray as a community, as a covenant body, that you would continue to call us towards Christ-likeness. Father, we love you and we thank you for your son. We thank you for your spirit who is our guide. Lord, I pray for these brothers and sisters as they go to the table that they would remember all that you have done. That you never lead us outside of your presence. You are always with us. That is your covenant. That is your promise to us. And Christ hung on the cross and he said, Father, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? It was that forsakenness kept us from ever having to experience it again. So we love you. We praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.